Welcome back to Inside Rock. This week, we're talking about the classic album, That Out of Hell. And of course, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. What a name. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure the thought process there. I think we'll talk about that, how we came up with Meatloaf. And it's actually two words, right? Meatloaf. Yeah, he gets very upset when you put it all in one word. His first name's Meat. His last name is Loaf. <laughs> don't, don't, don't write it as one word. He gets a little pissed off. Yeah, like yeah, calling him a hunk of uh, uh, edible meatloaf is not good. So it's no. meat and loaf. That's correct. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So make sure we hesitate it when we say his name, meatloaf. Yeah. yeah supposedly it was his football coach in high school that gave him that nickname because <laughs> he was a little on the chunky side. <laughs> Come on. Come on, put that block up there, you meatloaf. <laughs> well, I guess it could have been worse than if that's if that's what the reference was, him being a fat pig. I guess it could have been a a worse right name for him. Yeah, you know, he was trying to be a little bit, uh, you know, uh, you know, diplomatic, diplomatic, and yeah. saying a little on the chunk. Why? What I what I say? Not, he's called him a called him a pig. fat pig. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! Tell meat, tell meat that. So yeah. anyway, bad out of hell, bad out of hell. Uh, I mean, it's a classic from 1977. It's one of the best-selling albums of all time, having sold over 50 million copies as of April of 2021. Yeah, and in the states, it went 14 times platinum. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's over 14 million copies sold just in the United States alone. You know what I don't get, though? <clears throat> what don't you get, Quigs? I, I don't get the <laughs> Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone's lists are a little bit skewed, in my opinion. Well, it's political. I, I think so, because it, the Rolling Stone has this album ranked at number 343 of their top 500 greatest albums of all time. What's number one? Sgt. Pepper number one? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, ooh, ooh, Quigs can't remember? No, because it, it changes. It, 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 it's not always the same, right? So the... Uh, the uh, uh, the current uh, top 500. No, we'll look it up. Well, Cha, that's you. You've got a computer there. Look it up. What's the number one top selling album according to Rolling Stone? Yeah. What's the, what's the top on one? What am I supposed to do? Rolling Stone, <laughs> 50 greatest <laughs> albums of all time. What's number one currently? 500 greatest. Yeah, 500. Yeah. What's the current most valuable? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, my- <laughs> <laughs> Never you know I got a problem with short-term memory. Anyway, everybody, any anyone that's listening has already looked it up and found their own yeah, answer, so mind. don't worry about it. All right, there we go then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, so who is Meatloaf? Let's you know. Let's do before we get into the bat out of hell. Let's do a bit of background on Meatloaf. He's got quite a background. What was his real name? Yeah, but not Marvin, a good background Marvin though. Marvin Leah Day. Marvin Leah Day. Yeah, from Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Born 1947. Well, this is what he says he was born in 1947, but now he's lied about his age. He's well, he, been yeah, he's been caught in number of lies. Yeah, I mean, he claimed well, 1954, 1947. I mean, that's a seven year swing. Like, what is it, meat? Make up your mind. I don't know. What, what's your What's the purpose of lying? Well, maybe he's got a bad memory too. Maybe he's not lying. He just doesn't. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, his uh, his mother was a school teacher. Yeah. And his father was a cop. Orvis. Orvis. But that was Orvis, his dad's name, Orvis. Yeah. Orvis was uh, actually. Orvis. What's his Orvis. name? Orvis Wesley Aday. 
Yeah, Orbis was a wow. little bit of a, a drinker in his day, and his mother and, and meat, Marvin at the time, yeah. would have to drive around <laughs> looking for him and get him out of these bars and get him home because he was a nasty drinker. He was also he, a little abusive. I think he probably drank too much of his own concoction. He had the uh, uh, homemade cough remedy. Remember that? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was called the the Griffin Grocery Company. Uh, it was that was under that name, and it was a cough cough medicine. So uh, something tells me there was a lot of testing going on. There was a lot of alcohol content and that stuff. Well, it, it, you know, it, a little bit of his background. He was discharged from the army, a medical discharge after mm-hmm. getting hit by shrapnel. I wonder, did it hit him in the head or? <laughs> He became guess, an alcoholic after that, I guess. And anyway, Meat didn't have the most, uh, you know, the most relaxing childhood. He was always afraid of his father. His mother was always worried. And yeah. and it also says he was targeted by bullies. Well, he and the thing is, he was 185 pounds uh, by the fifth grade. That's a big boy. <laughs> that's that's huge. And by the seventh grade, he got up to what was it? Two hundred forty. Two forty. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, he probably could have just sat on a few people and, you know, stop the bullying. I mean, he was a big guy. Like, why would you bully somebody that was 185 pounds? I but, guess just being mean, I guess, calling them, you know, calling yeah. them names or whatever. Yeah, and his father would beat him up regularly, apparently. Yeah. So, his, so his father is drunk, uh, beating up the family. So, And he's upholding the law for everyone else? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's correct. Right. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's about right. Okay, I'll sleep well tonight. That's there right. you go. <laughs> now, we have to tell the one story about oh, the his, shot put. Yeah, in oh, high school. On. That's classic. He said, that, <laughs> he, said that he was on yeah. the track and field field and he got hit in the head by a 12 pound shot put, which partially caved in his skull. But, but the strange thing about this story yeah. is that before he got hit in the head with a shot put, he couldn't he couldn't carry a note. Couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. No. No <laughs> right. And he got hit in the head with the shot put and he could sing like a bird. <laughs> Holy jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. You know what that reminds me of? I Creeks. know Christmas vacation. Yeah. Falls in a well, eyes go cross side, gets kicked, kicked in the head by a mule. mule. Straight? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, go, go figure. figure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, he got hit in the head with the shot put, and all of a sudden he could sing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, his mother died. <laughs> of, his mother, Sorry. No, hold on. But, okay. At least that's what he told Rolling Stone magazine. Well, that's, Yeah, come on. Now, I, like I said, the, Marvin's been known to lie. Or stretch the truth a little. Yeah. yeah. His, his stories. And there's a couple more stories coming up. Like, seriously, that really happened. But we'll get to that anyway. Yeah. So I guess uh, his mother. <laughs> I can I can see if he got kicked in the nuts and <laughs> carry a higher tune. Yeah, three and a half right. octave vocal range. <laughs> yes, but in the head. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Know. <laughs> All right. So again, his mother dies of cancer in 1966. Yeah. Meat is left at home, or Marvin's left at home with his you know, his abusive father. Yeah. Let's go with meat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with me. So, Meat tells a story about his father coming home and trying to kill him with a butcher knife. Yeah. Uh, after his mother died. Yeah. Shortly after his mother died. Shortly after. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, "You know that I've had enough." He takes the inheritance from his mother and he gets out of Dodge and he goes to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 He gets out of there. He was quite upset when his mother died too. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, she, she was the one that uh, he always went to because he was afraid of his father. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Meat has a lot of stories. I mean, about the JFK assassination when let's he was in about, Dallas. Let's, do, let's just touch on that. That was wild, buddy. Yeah, let's we, talk we, about that. So this man. before he goes to Los Angeles, just yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's JFK assassination. It's in Dallas, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, so him and his buddies uh, got into a car accident. Isn't that what happened? Yeah, his buddies got into a car accident, and enough where they had to go to the hospital, right? And when they went to the Dallas <clears> hospital, <throat> it was right around the same time when JFK was shot. Right. And they had to wait two hours because they were bringing the president in for treatment. Yeah. And uh, they, were, they, were, had to, they witnessed, they saw Jackie O get out of the car covered in blood, they claim, yeah. Uh, so he's got, he said he was there for he saw it firsthand. Now this is what he said. Well, she, she was Jackie Kennedy at that point. Jackie Kennedy. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Hadn't yeah. married Onassis yet. That's right. So that's quite a story, right? To be able to say that you saw that happen. Well, again, if this, it happened, this is Meat's version. This is you did get hit in the head by a shot put. So. Uh, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. So, so wait, wait. He was a he was a known liar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, he's been caught in quite a few lies. Yeah. Well, so yeah. really, none of this shit we can believe then, really. Yeah, well, but it sounds need, good though. You need corroboration. It sounds good. Yeah. So All right. It's stuff though. So who knows? Didn't he get abducted by aliens too? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was Gary Busey. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> so anyway, he goes to Los Angeles. He gets out of there, right? And then uh, he starts. Uh, because now he can sing because of the shot put. <laughs> yeah. He starts pursuing an, an acting career, right? And he does it in singing. Well, he was very, he's always been very theatrical. He was always a little bit of a performer, right? Yeah. Um, that was his first love was that kind of like stage acting. Well, right? if you ever saw him live in concert, which we did. We did, yeah. We did. And you could, he, he got right into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. Oh, Carla DeVito, yeah. Yeah, poor yeah. Carla. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, he goes to Los Angeles. He gets involved in some different groups. And uh, he, he ends up getting a, a part in, what was it, Hair? Yeah, Hair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so he gets a part in hair, and he starts, uh, you know, making a name for himself. Yeah, and I think that probably a lot of people forget, but a lot of people will remember, but a lot of people forget that he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, the guy on the motorcycle, the guy, yeah. 1975, Yeah, right? Yeah. You know what? I did forget about that until I was in a theater with my son watching Rocky Horror on Halloween night. Yeah. And all of a sudden, meat came on. I went, holy crap, that's meat! That's me. That's no, me. I totally forgot. It's so stupid. Yeah. Now that was yeah. seventy-five. In seventy-one, he does an album with uh, Sean Stony Sean Murphy, a girl, and they yeah. do this album together, and that gets a little bit of recognition too, for sure. Yeah, you know. But uh, Stony and Meatloaf. But I think Hair and Rocky Horror start to put him on people's radar. Well, yeah, because of the way he performed. Yeah, he was quite. He was quite a quite a character. No question. Yeah. Like, I, I picture him in the theater, which he, I think that's what, I think his roots were, were that, were, were they not? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, he was in the off-Broadway production of Rainbow and the Orpheum the, uh, Theater in New York, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, he did a bunch of different, Rainbow. different yeah. uh, and he's, he, even when he goes, when he talks about uh, his first love in the interviews he's in, 
He says that acting is one of his first loves. Yeah. And he talks about when he's performing on stage as Meatloaf, as a singer, he goes into character. Yeah. So he does. Oh, acting. no kidding. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he talks about acting and taking on a different persona when he's on stage. Well, put a link, put a link to Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Uh, even when he does that, if you've never seen the video, if any, it, you could see he's right into it. Oh yeah. Oh, you right think? Oh. Even when that, even with the uh, the backing vocal girl, um, Carla Devito. Well, there's oh, the one. Yeah, that's another, actually Ellen Foley. Yeah, Ellen voice. Foley did the okay. studio version. Okay. So before we get ahead of ourselves, um, how did Meatloaf meet Jim Steinman? Well, I met him in New York, right at. Uh, at the pub, public theater's production of More Than You Deserve, he auditioned for it. Yeah, at this point, Meat was back in, he was in Broadway doing Hair, um, and then he auditioned for More Than You Deserve, uh, which was, uh, you know, where Steinman was involved. That's right. And he sang uh, a former Stony and Meatloaf uh, favorite of, of his, I'd Love to Be, it's called. Right, and this was in 1973, so this yeah. is before Rocky Horror. Two years before. Two yeah. years before. But that's where he meets, that's where he meets uh, Steinman. Now, they end up, there's some story about, they end up sharing an apartment or something in New York, because they're all kind of piled into this apartment. Well, I, I, I don't think he was sharing an apartment. He went, to, he went to visit Steinman at his apartment, where he was sharing an apartment with a bunch of other people. Oh, I see. And Meatloaf thought it was really odd, because he walked in, and Steinman's bed was actually in the kitchen. That's how many people were actually living there. <laughs> and the headboard was the fridge door. Nice. Well, you need a snack. You just kind of reach. Well, that's what Milo says. What, is, what if somebody wants something to eat? And Steinman said, nah, it's not going to happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a weird uh, setup. So anyway, so you know, a little bit of a colored background. And then they start to get to know each other, and they start to... F- figure out there's a collaboration possibility here. Yeah. And they start to work on that out of hell. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and Steinman is known for his just his odd lyrics and just storytelling and and even like the Bad Out of Hell, the title track, he talks about how he wanted to do a car crash song. Yeah. yeah. He was, you know, race because you know he, I guess he was a Springsteen fan as well. And mm-hmm. um he talked about one of the songs that you and I know. He says one of his earliest car crash songs he remembers tell is... Tell Laura I Love Her? Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, Tell Laura I Love Her. <laughs> That's a great tune. Yeah, well, hey, child, we'll have to put that one on the, uh, the playlist. Hey, never mind. You know another good car crash song is? Huh. Detroit at Rock City by Kiss. The whole thing. The guy's listening to the... Remember? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. At the beginning, he's listening to the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, rock and roll all night on the radio, and then he gets a yeah. car crash. But if you listen to the words to "Bad Out of Hell," it's pretty gruesome. Listen, the words, the whole—it's a very dark album. Yeah, it really is. If you really several breakups and and well, the "Bad Out of Hell" when the guy's riding his motorcycle crashes. Yeah, and it's so bad that his his heart. Bursts out of his body. That's right, and that's what is the term. Bad. He bursts out of his body like a bat out of hell. Like a bat out of hell. Well, it's like a dark opera. To, to be honest, it kind of is. Really, yeah. The guy who saved the project was Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren. Rundgren that's who I'm thinking about. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Yeah, he saved. He was the, the producer. Well, yeah. Well, right. they were getting rejected. They, the Steinman, pretty much had the material, but they were just getting turned down at every every corner. And Rundgren got uh, got wind of it, and 
he he saw it as more of a parody. He thought it was comical, is what he is what Rundgren said. Rundgren said, yeah. and and he called it a parody. Like it was a spoof on Brings, Bruce Springsteen. You mentioned Springsteen, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, and Todd Rundgren saw it as a as a spoof. Well, maybe that's why he jumped. Maybe that's why he jumped because like. Like I said, you know, I don't know how long it took, but I remember he was forever. They were ever trying to get this thing going. Oh yeah, it was. It was. Oh, they took. They were, years. they were turned down by so many people. Yeah, 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 Indeed. yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, they kept on going, and Todd Rundgren stayed with them, and uh, Steinman and Meat were dedicated to it, and they wanted it to happen. Yeah, Todd Rundgren. I mean, Meatloaf. Uh, set of Todd Rundgren. The guy was uh, amazing. He would go in and and. Uh, Lay down a, a a whole guitar track in one take, a whole guitar track, and he was good. Todd Rundgren's mm-hmm. good, but yeah, he's a great producer, and that's why he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as of this year. All right, so uh, where do you want to go next with this? What about Bad Out of Hell. Well, I mean, we could probably talk about uh, let's talk a little more about Todd Rundgren. All right, I would suggest. Uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that Rundgren was the producer of the album, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, Rundgren was involved in Well, let's talk about Ellen Foley. Let's talk about that. All right, let's talk about Ellen Foley. Because everybody, probably one of the most popular songs off the album is Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And, you know, <laughs> Ellen Foley doesn't get a lot of credit you know? Well, she was the voice on the studio version. She laid down the studio track. That's the song. When you hear the studio version, that's Ellen Foley. Now, Ellen Foley, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Ellen Foley. Uh, I mean, the reason I think she didn't go on tour and, and perform on well, stage. She was offered to go on tour, and she refused. She did, because she was uh, she was an actress as well. She was yeah. on the, the TV sitcom Night Court. I mean, she was very committed to that right around that. That's where I saw her before. Yeah, she was on Night Court. So I mean, Ellen, I got her. I got her album, as and she's got fact. her own music career. Oh, she's exactly. great. I, yeah. I love her voice. You mm-hmm. know, we belong to the night. She had a good hit. So with that. they went on tour without her. Yeah, and they needed somebody to replace. Yeah, Ellen Foley. That's right. And that's where enter Carla, Carla DeVito. DeVito. <clears throat> now the thing is, they use Ellen Foley's voice track. And Carla DeVito would lip sync. So Carla DeVito was more of an, again, she was more of an entertainer. She was there, yeah. she was there for, you know, uh, to, to act with Meatloaf for this, for this, yeah. you know, for the stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't pay that woman enough. Oh, my. Yeah. Meat got a little overzealous at some points during that Paradise well, song. I mean, there was a couple of incidents. I mean. It was one he the mic stand he he almost he almost killed her whether he threw it at her like you know getting so animated during Paradise <laughs> like he chucked the mic mic stand and almost knocked her over yeah another time he swung her around and threw her off the stage holy <laughs> 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 shit she went flying off the stage like, that's and, crazy and in between all that when they were making out meat would. Put his tongue about fourteen inches down her throat. Yeah, like <laughs> really, honestly. <laughs> oh, like even egg. pumping gas would look good at this point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Poor Carla DeVito. Hope she got paid a lot. Well, there's a little bit of sour grapes say, between the uh, Foley 
in this. There's oh, a little bit. Yeah, she was a little bit upset that, you know, she. Yeah. It's my voice. But again, she turned it down. She yeah. was offered the position and she said, no, I'm not going. Well, well we got to find somebody else. Yeah, but then along with a lot of success, usually, okay, there's going to be sour grapes now, right? You look back yeah. on it. Well, I mean, when I when I think of Paradise by the Dashboard Light and you ask me who the singer is, I'll say Ellen Foley. Yeah, I me won't too. say Carla DeVito. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'll say Ellen Foley because she's the one who sang it. Carla DeVito was a stage presence. Ellen Foley was the voice. Yeah. So are you, uh, you going to put the link to that video? And Are we still doing show notes, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. Because uh, that one, I, I saw that video for the first time actually last week. I was... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. And like, yeah, I'm surprised he has. Well, he may have had a heart attack on stage. He has. He had a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, he had. He was in Canada. He did. A, oh, that's right. The Canadian yeah. show. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised he hasn't had one every single show the way he flails himself around the stage. and I'm sweating uh, like a peg and yeah. <laughs> 400 pounds. Remember that? Just yeah. Well, we saw him. But well, we went because we had seats off to the side. Yeah, uh, and, and so I mean, they had to give him oxygen. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He, was, well, he opened for wow. ELO, Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he always said, you know, if he goes out there, he gives a hundred percent. You never see me give fifty percent in anything. No, he, when he's on stage, he was awesome. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's very cool because some of the artists that performed on that album, uh, a couple of my favorites, really. Uh, Edgar Winter, he played, he was a guest artist. He played the saxophone on that album. Really? Yeah. Really? And, uh, mm-hmm. We all know Max Weinberg, the drummer for the E Street Band for Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. He was actually the drummer on, on that, a guest artist. Good old Max. Yeah. He was he was on that video on Amazon. I watched a, a, a yeah, meatloaf. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's correct. Talk with him for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, yeah, so it was quite, a, there was a lot, a well, lot of Well, let's talk about some of the songs on the album. Sure. All right, because, uh, sure. Cha, you're going to put together a playlist, and we'll throw in some of the other ones we've talked about. We'll put uh, most of the songs from Bad Out of Hell on it. But mm-hmm. Bad Out of Hell, the title track, we've talked about that one. Well, you know what? Yeah, but that, that song, you know how long that song is? G- give, me a, give, give me a guess. How long do you think Bad Out of Hell is? Eight minutes and 32 seconds. More. Really? Yeah. Nine minutes and 52 seconds. Wow. That's crazy. It's almost a 10-minute song. Well, like Cha said, it's like uh, an opera. Yeah, mm-hmm. rock and roll opera. Yeah, and, and you know what? Back then, um, I wasn't a huge fan. I can appreciate it now, uh, but back then, it was too. It was almost like uh, a seventies Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Like, I don't know. I just wasn't. It just wasn't sticking. Oh no, to I, me, liked, I liked the to whole back album. then. Yeah, I although I, like I say, I appreciate it now. I, but I hear what you're saying, Cha. It's just a little out there, just a little bit out there. Uh, still good music, but just a little out there. Well, I mean, we've talked about Bad Out of Hell. We've talked about Paradise by the Dashboard Light. That's a long song, too. Oh, absolutely. Paradise. That's, eight, that's eight minutes and 28 seconds. There you go. So there's two songs right there that are over 17 minutes. Well, there's another one. For Crying Out Loud minutes. is eight minutes and 55 seconds. Crying Out Loud. And What's the one that starts off on a hot summer night? You took the words right out of yeah, my mouth. Yeah. That's 505. To offer your throat to the wolf. With the red roses. Yeah. How about two out of three ain't bad? Come on, that's a, that was a big hit. Yeah. That's I a like huge that. one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... Uh, but they all have stories. Oh, it, and that's, it, that's it, Jim Steinman's oh, yeah. trademark, right? I mean, they all have stories. If you listen to the words closely, it's like, wow. So the album, remember we talked about limits on an album? Yeah. Yeah, 
I mean, this one had to be pushing it. What's the runtime on Bad? I want to know what's the runtime on Bad Out of Hell. I need to know. <laughs> it got to know. I, I got to know. That's a dirty, hairy quote. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Did you fire six bullets or only five? Anyway, so I'll tell you the truth. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. But, Seven uh, songs, 46 minutes, 31 seconds. That's how long it is? Yeah. The original album is 46 minutes, 31 seconds, right plus or minus the, a few Right seconds. on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. we talked about that, why they, why they uh, kept an album um, at a certain length. Because you make it too long, the grooves get too small. That's and right. It distorts and the whole thing. Yeah. It, yeah, the quality suffers if you put to That's why a lot of the, I don't want to get into KTEL, I love KTEL, you know that. But they put a lot of tracks on their <laughs> albums and that's why the quality's not quite as good as... Uh, a K Tao quality is second. Content is first. <laughs> I love K That's true. I've got so many K If I see a K Tao album, I always buy it. I love it. Yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, so what other, what other songs of note are there on that album? Oh, Heaven Can Wait. Oh, Heaven Can Wait is I a mean, good that's one. That's a great song. Yeah. And you know what? Meatloaf, he really kills it, man. He does a great job on, on Bad Out of Hell. He's got good vocals, you know? Now, there was a song. Maybe not supposed to be on this album. Maybe Bad Out of Hell too. That Steinman had written, that Meat wanted to do, and they decided, oh, you know, we'll we'll save it for later. Oh, so he gave it to somebody else. They ended up giving it to Celine Dion. Yeah, and yeah. Meat was a little pissed. So what song was that? Oh, yeah, oh, it's, it's all coming back to me now. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Celine Dion had a huge hit with that one. Now she did a fantastic job with it, but. Meat was a little pissed at Jim Steinman for giving up his song to Celine when they had talked about Meat doing it on a later album. Mm-hmm. Great song, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but, I mean, listen to the songs that Steinman had written. The guy was brilliant. Now, we were just talking about, he just passed away in April. Yeah, you know, I don't know how that got by me. I, 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 yeah, he passed away. Uh, April, yeah. April of 2021. Yeah. He passed away, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a different dude. That's for sure. Oh, he's a, well, I mean, usually the creative geniuses are a little out there, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he definitely had talent and was very creative, but he was a little odd. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Hey, um, something else I wanted to bring up uh, where you could find Meatloaf. Uh, in 1976, he said he recorded uh, vocals, lead vocals for Ted Nugent's album Free For All. Oh, yeah, when, I heard about that. Yeah, when Nugent's lead vocalist was Derek, uh, Derek St. Holmes, I guess he quit the band, and Meatloaf took over on uh, five of the album's nine tracks as for lead vocals. I did not know that. In yeah, free for all. That was just after uh, Rocky Horror. It was after Rocky Horror, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I remember about free for all? I, I remember, I'll never, I think I've mentioned this in another podcast, going down to Sam the Record Man, the record <clears> store, <throat> and seeing the poster for the upcoming album, Free For All. It was up there, and it, it, Ted Nugent was quoted as saying, um, uh, you know, I, like I, something to, I'm paraphrasing, he was better than Jimi Hendrix, and that's how he was promoting Free For All. And yeah. That yeah. caught my eye. Thought, oh, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. He had already had his, his, his debut album, um, but Free For All was his big breakthrough. That was one with Cat. Oh no, Cat Scratch Fever was after that, wasn't it? Mm, I think yeah, so. That was, that was his third album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I remember that from Free For All, though. Yeah. So you know, cool, uh, eh? that's crazy. I didn't know yeah, that. and that's five out of the nine tracks he sang lead vocals on Free For All album. Wow. 
damn, I know. I got to go back. I got to go yeah, back and listen to that album. You got to put that on Spotify. The the five the five tracks. Yeah, there we go. They are and put them on yeah, Spotify. Yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's wicked. Thank God for that shot put. No kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> now let's let's talk a little about there's, there's always talk about him meaning meatloaf yeah. and steinman falling out of favor and suing each other yeah well they didn't sue each other it was their lawyers and their management companies that sued each of other. course of yeah. course and, and meat says they were always good friends and yeah but their lawyers advised them not to communicate much during that time and they kind of stayed away from each other whatever Anyway, so it talks about, you know, Meatloaf kind of taking a little bit of a downturn in his career without Steinman and didn't have the content. But Steinman continued to write hits. He wrote hits for people like Bonnie Tyler, Barbara Streisand, Air Supply. Um, You know, he did a number of different things. He had huge success. The guy was just a a genius. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, through the whole time, uh, Steinman and Meat, Kept in touch, even though the lawyers didn't like it. Yeah. And then they had decided to do Bad Out of Hell 2. Yeah. yeah. And they said, okay, screw all this. We're going we're gonna to do another album. It didn't have near the success of Bad Out of Hell. No, no. Um, yeah. I can't tell you, the album artwork, though, on both of them are great. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's such a memorable cover. So what about uh, Bad Out of Hell 2? They ended up getting together again. And collaborating, because mm-hmm. uh, they were still good friends, and they put together uh, "Back into Hell," which was uh, "Bad Out of Hell 2 And was it nineteen ninety three? Ninety three was sixteen years after uh, "Bad Out of Hell." Yeah, right, right. Now that's uh, that's Meatloaf's sixth studio album. Now, off that album, he says one of his favorite songs mm-hmm. of all the songs is on that. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Right. Yeah. Bets and brackets. Brackets. Yeah. And people kept asking, well, what's that? Yeah. And he says, well, it's in the very first line of the song. Yeah. You know, he said, I don't know why people keep asking, what's that? I'm going to do that. Right. He said, I won't, yeah. forget. I won't forget. Yeah. It talks about, in the very part about forget. He oh, says, I, well, I won't do that. I won't forget. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I didn't know that. That's yeah, great. There you go. You got to listen to the first line. That well, reached number one in 28 qu- countries. That, there that you are, Charles. That's got to go on. That's uh, got to go on the playlist. I would yeah. do anything for love. Okie dokie. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that, it, did, it did pretty well, too. I mean, it didn't hit the same success. It didn't go 14 times platinum in the United States, but it did hit number one. It's uh, it sold 14 million copies uh, worldwide. Total, yeah, worldwide, yeah. But you know, you know what the running time is on that album? Hmm. 75 minutes and 38 seconds. Whoa, it's got to be two albums then. <laughs> How can it be? Or or crappy perform or crappy sound quality? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't me? have that one in my collection. So what was the running time for Bad Out of Hell 2? You know, a whopping 75 minutes plus. Well, that's, that's over the threshold for good quality, though, right? Well, that's one album. So, uh, yeah, I mean... So it wasn't two albums, it was one album. It was one album. So I, I read some reviews on people that had bought the original pressing of that album, yeah. and they said the, the sound was not that good on it, and it, because there's too much information the on groove, one album. The grooves are too small. Too tight, right? Yeah. And it, it didn't play well. But, uh, I mean, well, he's got two, there's two songs on there. Again, songs by Jim Steinman again. And just a little note on the, if you look at the album cover, 
it's very very cool. It was by a sci-fi fantasy artist. Um, yeah, this is the bat on the Chrysler building. Yeah, right? Michael Michael Whelan actually did the uh, cover for that. And at the very bottom, in small, it says uh, "Songs by Jim Steinman." At the very bottom of the album cover. And while we're talking about album covers, I mean, let's uh, talk about 1977 Bat Out of Hell album cover. It was uh, drawn by an artist called uh, Richard Richard Corbin. Uh, Richard Corbin actually died last year, December in 2020. Uh, actually, two years ago now, I guess officially. And, and it's considered, I, I think, one of the best album covers around, but it ranked... Oh, yeah. It didn't rank very high in some of the ranking. Uh, well, Ranker.com, dot um, uh, They did a, a a poll of the this is a readers poll, and uh, it was number forty one of the greatest album covers of all time. Yeah, and it beat out by some album covers that I don't even think should be on there. Like <laughs> well, who's next? A bunch of guys pissing on a monolith. Well, I mean, give me a break. I think it's what it represents too. But I mean, album covers like one that beat it was. And I'm a big ACDC fan, but Back in Black. It's a black it, album cover. I mean, you know, well, like you said, maybe the White Album should be on that list too. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I know, you know, it's brutal. Okay, but great artists on both those album covers. They're terrific. Uh-huh. But anyway, um, yeah, two of the tracks, like the the most popular one, "I Do Anything for Love," that we talked about, is eleven minutes and fifty five seconds long. <laughs> like what the hell? That's a long song. Yeah. You know, and then on the first track on side two is 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Radio stations hate those songs. Objects in there, well, they, yeah. Well, they had to edit it down. There's no question about it. They had to edit it down. I mean, they complained about Bohemian Rhapsody being too long at at five minutes and and change. Remember that? Although some of the DJs said they liked the long songs because they can put it on and go to the bathroom. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm free bird. That's right. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so... Yeah, that's crazy. Like seventy-five minutes, but anyway, so that's uh, that's bad out of hell too. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot invested in that album, but uh, not the same output as bad out of hell seventy-seven. Okay, so did you want to talk? Go back to talk a little bit about Todd Rundgren. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because Todd Todd had a different take on on this album. Todd, the original Todd's, one. Yeah, I'm bad out of hell. The one we're actually doing the show on, yeah. even though we got off track a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had a different take. He took on this project, like I said before, he took on this project as more. He thought it was. He thought it was hilarious. He thought it was so. It was so um, uh, comedic that he had to have it because he thought it was going to be do well just based on that because it was. It was, it was hilarious. Hmm. Uh, I, I, and again, I if you listen to the words, they are out there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And who knows? That could, that's just the, the thing that could have made Todd bite as opposed to all the ones turning it down, right? To just see a, he sees a comedic kind of look at it. So maybe that's why I wanted to do it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, Rod Runger didn't take it too seriously, but he thought it would catch on just because of, you know, the quirkiness of the uh, the songs. But and he was right; uh, people loved it. That was a gamble, though, boy. Oh, boy, that that was a gamble. Well, he put up his own money. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but uh, he did a fantastic job in mixing and producing that album he's great if you look at some of the documentaries that he talks about it and shows some ways that he brought on some different things that were pretty unique at the time um just a very very talented guy 
Anyway, so uh, there you go. But anything else you want to say about uh, Rundgren there? You're a big Rundgren fan there. Quick. Yeah, I am. You know, I don't want to take away from the album, though. I mean, Rundgren, I mean, remember the story Rundgren said he remembers, remember most about working with Meat Lopez, him proposing to, uh, you know, his uh, his wife at the time with a, what was it? A salmon. A salmon. <laughs> a what? Salmon. Here, there'll be no ring, but I, but here's a salmon. Which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice. <laughs> well, I guess it had to be food related. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and now the way you say yes, let's have a snack. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. What was he thinking? So it was a secretary. So it was Bearsville, Bearsville Records. That's where he, uh, this is where this happened. And uh, Meatloaf kind of fell in love with the uh, Bearsville uh, secretary, record secretary, Leslie. Um, and, <laughs> and this is, I don't know where he got the idea to propose, propose with a salmon. I, I, don't, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> he said, Todd said, yeah, we were in the, the Bear Cafe, and he had a package that he brought up from New York and presented it to her. It was a giant whole salmon. <laughs> as if it was a bear proposing to his mate, Here, here's a fish. Instead of a ring, here's a salmon. Well, that's how they do it up north. But they got, mar- they got <laughs> married. True. They got married. They got married. Very unique. Yeah. Nothing like the only thing he was missing that really would have put him right over the edge was a beaver pelt to go along with the salmon. <laughs> then he would have been in. <laughs> and he said when they got married, Todd Rundgren was there. Uh, he said it's really kind of funny because the priest who married them, uh, he, he was really old, <laughs> really old, and he couldn't tell the difference between them. Now, I not doesn't say much what? to Leslie, but Whoa. that's what he said. So he looked at Leslie and said, do you, Marvin, take Leslie as your lawful, lawful No, dude. And the guy next to him had to whisper everything into his ear. Like, that, that's not, that's not, that's, that's meat. That's, that's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not whatever. Marvin. That's not. God, I'd love to see the wedding photos. Oh, man. <clears throat> Jeez. Yeah, so. Now, one thing we didn't mention mm-hmm. uh, when Todd Rungren was, you know, selling this thing all over the place, trying to get it uh, accepted. What record company actually accepted it? It was Cleveland International. And then later That's on, right. later on, Epic took it over. That's right. Yeah. So we should mention that, that, you know, thanks to Cleveland International for saying, yes, we'll yeah. do it. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, well, it was Todd too. Yeah. But no, they tried a number of different places, and so we didn't mention that before. So I thought we yeah, should bring that, that that's, up. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. Cleveland International. But anyway, there you go. So I mean, there's lots we can talk more about it. But again, just watch the documentary. I'll try to find. I think there's some stuff on. There's uh, lots of documentaries on YouTube. On I'll this. put a few links yep. in the show notes to some of the documentaries. But interesting in how, you know, how these groups, what they go through. Yeah. In order to get things launched. And then once it's successful, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, they did great. Yeah, but what did they have to go through to make it happen? Um, and the other one we talked about that we're going to do eventually is Kiss. And the same thing about what Kiss went through. To You know, it's hard to do a podcast on Kiss. It is, yeah. Only because they're, they're so huge. They're so, there's so much to talk about. They've had mm-hmm. numerous band member changes after their initial success, right? You know, there's been death in the band. Remember, Eric Carr died. There's so many things we could talk about. With you'd almost have to do two podcasts: oh, one I for know. the c- classic Kiss, and then 
the progression, yeah. like the changes they Unmasked. went through. And Unmasked. yeah, that's what we should do. Do two of them. Yeah. Cause it's just so much information. It's ridiculous. All right. Yeah. So I'll look forward to that one at a future podcast. Yeah. But uh, oh, by the way, what's yeah, something else. Well, I know this is, I know this is meatloaf, but you just mentioned uh, kiss and I know Queeks. I know you saw kiss. I think you saw them more than once. Did oh, yeah, you not? Absolutely. I did. Yeah. And I was just reading, I'm part of this classic rock thing on Facebook. I, I follow them and some, they post stupid questions usually, but one of the questions was today, who is, um, who is your kick the bucket or not the bucket list, uh, band. And I'm thinking, I think, you know what? I, I've seen all the guys, I, all the bands I want to see. I, you just hit me like kiss. I never saw. You know, love them or hate them, and and I'm the first to admit that even like the first four albums, I mean, the songs aren't that great. I love Kiss. Don't get me wrong; I'm a huge fan. Well, they're not that complex. They're exactly. very simple. Exactly. Yeah. But when you when they when they're on that stage, yeah, man, yeah. there's nothing like it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's an experience, and they sound much better live. They prefer, they're a better live band. There's no question about it. Yeah. But, so that is that is one regret I have. Uh, oh, I never yeah. saw a Kiss. Yeah. yeah, too bad I didn't take you. Sorry, buddy. I should have taken you to one of those. Hey, bitch. Yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna wrap this one up. Well, yeah, I mean we can keep going on, but uh, I mean that's enough for Marvin, eh? Now, one, oh, before we wrap it up, yeah, we got to cover a few of the uh, what's in the news. Oh yeah, yeah, we got to. Well, you got a few things there. Well, I got I got big news. You know what? I don't care if I know this is a music podcast. Okay, wait, we gotta give I don't give a crap. We what? gotta give the date. We gotta give the date. I mean we're right. getting news now. It's the first week of January twenty twenty two. Let's go, Gary. All right, here we go. Gary, good news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, not music related, but I don't give a crap. Right. Betty White passed oh, away. Oh yeah, I know. Betty White. That was devastating to me, man. You know, somebody was, Everybody t- was somebody was telling me, says, Oh, did you know did you know that Betty White finally died? <laughs> I said sad. that. <laughs> like, what the hell? You know what? Well she was almost a hundred, right? She was she was only a few, yeah. a few loved, weeks. Loved she, her, Betty her hundredth birthday would have been January seventeenth. She worked right up until uh, the late nineties. I mean she was unbelievable. She yeah. was hilarious. Well, guys, on hot in Cleveland. <laughs> And you know what? I hope, I hope when we depart, why can't everyone depart Earth like this woman? I know. Well, she kept working. That's what I mean. And she was had her wits about her. She was cracking jokes right up to the end. Yeah. That's the best, you know. Yeah. There's that movie but, coming out on her life, eh? Really? Yeah, that celebration. Oh, wow. That celebration movie that that they. they oh. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be that. That's too bad. That a great personality, great sense of humor, just oh, a great she's fantastic, lady. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. But that movie, that movie was uh, conceived before her death. Like they were doing that regardless. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. It was a that's celebration, right? right. That's what that's it was. Right. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That'll be good sure. to see. All right, what else we got in the news? Well, COVID keeps wreaking havoc in the music industry. It looks like the Grammys, scheduled for January 31st of this year, might be canceled or postponed. They haven't really made an official announcement yet, but uh, there's a number of things being canceled or postponed. All right, that's just the start of things. There's going to be a lot of things being canceled. There's no question. Um, and uh, yeah, Speaking of cancellations, David Lee Roth, he's doing those Vegas shows. It's his farewell tour. And uh, he's had to cancel two of his shows because of COVID concerns. Right, right. Yeah, but there's still some people out there making money. Chai, you had something about somebody making a wad of cash? Well, yeah, the um, 
the catalog of David Bowie. The whole catalog got sold to Warner Music. Which, oh, so they, they figured about uh, 250 mil. Yeah, and whenever something like this happens, they always say usually this re- rejuvenates um, the the listening or whatever. So the, the this yeah the music numbers will probably go up again for a while. But but really, you know, after doing all that work and whoever owns the estate now is just plop two hundred and fifty million on your on your lap. My gosh. So that takes care of uh, some of the music news, and this is going to wrap up another episode of Inside Rock. And we're out of here like a bat out of hell with Oak, Queeks, and Ja, the Jabber Guys. Remember to go to our website, jabberguys.com, to subscribe to our podcasts, Weird and Wacky World, and Inside Rock.